And I'm joined today with Benny Benack, the third, the uh, war zone god, the the trumpet player, the vocalist, the I don't know TikTok personality. Man. <laughs> how's it? How's it been? It's cool, man. You know, we were saying a little bit uh, before we hit the record button here. New York is like, you know, I don't want to say like we're back, but New York is definitely um, on the comeback trail, and and the weather's warming up here now, and and you know, things are reopening. So everybody here kind of, it's good vibes. We're all kind of feeling like, all right, maybe, maybe the spring and summer, like we're going to actually be kind of like doing some stuff, you know? So it's, it's good vibes here today. Man. And so how long have you been up in the city though? It's been what, 10, 15 years now? Uh, yeah, I, I graduated high school in, in the spring of 09 and then went to Manhattan school the next year. And you know, just kind of stayed up here after, uh, after Manhattan school. So it's been whatever, 12 years, I guess. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not trying to make you sound old or anything, man, but damn, that, that's like, you, you, you now a part of the, you're, you're a part of the crew, man. You're not the new guy. You're introducing the new guys when they come to town. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that creeps up on you, you know, and you still, I don't know if like I'll ever get rid of the feeling of like, showing up to smalls or a jam session and feeling like, you know, I'm like this unknown young cat and I have to like, you know, impress everybody or whatever. Like that feeling may never go away, but I will say it's been an interesting thing over the past year, just with the way Corona has changed the landscape of New York. Like so many musicians right off the bat had to leave. Right. Cause it's right. just impossibly expensive here. Leases were going up. There was no point for cats to renew a lease if they were going to not be making any bread. You right. know, a lot of the international people went home, you know? So like the scene in New York went from being this like huge, 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 you know, like warehouse of musicians to being like a smaller like scene of people that stuck it out. And just by virtue of me, like keeping gigs going, you know, and playing for 20 bucks in a blizzard on a sidewalk, outdoor dining only with gloves on and like three hats and two jackets, you know, like the yeah, fact yeah. that I was willing to just keep the music alive at whatever cost really has gotten to a point where like I've had now older musicians that like are one shot in on their vaccine and will like stand across the street with a mask on and check out a jam session. Like, and I've had musicians hit me up that are people that I look up to and people that I respect as my elders be like, thank you for what you're doing for our community. You know, thank you for, you know, for uplifting and keeping the music going. And obviously the thing happened. Um, it's a drag that smalls got shut down, but you know, I don't think I would have been approached by Smike and spike and smalls to host a jam session had I not been doing it over the past year when nobody else was, you know? And, and so I think like there is a little bit of like, I've carved out a little bit of a place for myself in the last year, especially in New York, just because I was one of the few people that was, you know, bold or crazy or stupid enough to like try and keep things going. And, you know, I think that's important because, because what is jazz like, you talk about jazz musicians sitting around and this is your podcast, but like, if we don't have jam sessions, if we don't, if we're not getting together to play, right. you know, that's like, what are we, you know? Yeah. It, and it, man, it's interesting too, because like you're almost the epitome of like what all of the older generation like tells us is jazz, you know, like you go out, you play a shit ton of sessions, you play some gigs and like the, you know, the sessions start to to pay off in some way, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that is like when young musicians come, I feel bad for like the cats who graduated, you know, went to Michigan State or went to Miami. And it's like, all right, fine. I've been holding off on New York. Now I'm coming. 
And then they're coming into this New York where like there isn't smalls every night. There isn't Dizzy's on Thursdays and Saturdays. They can't go up to smoke on Monday nights. Like that networking, socializing, it's a hang, but it's also like your, your digital, your, like your, your real life business card, like that element is gone. So like now it's just like we're existing on Instagram and like we're just posting videos of ourselves practicing, you know, and going live. And that's important too. But if you're missing that actual, the real element, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough sledding. So that's why I was so committed to trying to keep it going, you know, against, against insurmountable odds. But I think we weathered the worst of it, you know, with, with now the vaccine and, and, you know, things are kind of coming back a little bit. So the hope now is that, all right, cool. Like we got through the winter. That was rough. Like, let's just, let's just keep, keep the good vibes going through the summer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it kind of points to, you know, your, your personality, you know, cause there's cats that are like musicians and like, that's great, you know, and not to take away that you are a musician, but I think you really embody the idea of like, we, we are also entertainers, you know, like that's what we are. Like we got to be able to engage with an audience, you know, you got to be able to, to work a room. You, you just, that's your job there at that point is to entertain and make people feel, you know, that way or a way in whatever way. Yeah. I mean, I think again, the, the lessons learned of the past year is like, there's a lot of jazz artists, incredible people, people that, you know, would fill up clubs and would sell tickets and would be on radio charts and all these wonderful things that like, they just basically like packed up shop for the last year. And they're like, you know what, what I do, music I write, what I, how I play, what I want to do. This is not meant for, you know, playing in this coffee shop on the sidewalk for passersby. You know, my shit is like, you know, I need the jazz gallery to do what I want to do. You know, I yeah. can't like go to a, a Irish bar and play on the sidewalk for tips. Like that's not people walking by are not going to be into what I have to say. So, you know, I, I do feel like a little bit like, you know, I was like going back to being like a, you know, traveling salesman or something like you go out and it's like, once you're playing these tip gigs and you're playing outside and you're playing in the park or whatever, it's like literally the amount of food on your table is related to how much you sell it, you know? And so like, you're going to get more tips if you're like barking at the crowd, you know, and you're trying to get people to come over and you're trying to engage the audience. And if you're just up there playing a bunch of tunes, you know, looking stoic, trying to be a cool jazz musician, like that works if you have a gig in a club. But right. if you're playing at your friend's coffee shop and he's only guaranteeing you 20 bucks each, if you want to go home with a hundred dollars, like you're going to have to put on a show a little bit, you know, and right. some people are more comfortable in that vein than others. And, you know, obviously I have no problem, you know, being the, you know, being a circus clown, if it's going to give me a little more money, you know, shit. Yeah. But it's not, you know, and it's, I think there's a line to it though, because I think some people will look at that and be like, man, that's not um, like, that's not right. That's embarrassing for what we're putting out there. But there, there's also, you know, you can entertain and, and, and act how you do, you know, your stage personality or whatever, or just be genuine you, but like not be disrespectful to the rest of it. You know, you don't have to be like an actual, even though you're saying like, Oh, I, I don't have an issue being a circus clown. Like it's not a disrespectful circus clown. It's just, putting on a show making sure cats are enjoying themselves and whatnot. well i think i appreciate you saying that i mean i think i admittedly i think my like ethos my mission statement as an artist is trying to thread a really 
small line. You know, I'm like Aaron Rodgers trying to throw it through like the linebackers and cornerback and the safety and get it to Greg Jennings or, you know, yeah, whatever. not Big Ben, not Big Ben. Oh, no, not him. Not him. He's not the 39 year old you want. I'll tell you what. Um, but, but, you know, it's this idea that like, say what you want. You know, I have no problem. Like you mentioned, circus clown, like whatever from an entertaining standpoint, from a stage presence standpoint, I can laugh at myself. I don't take the music too seriously aesthetically. But what I do take really seriously is like the only reason that it works, I think, is because when I'm playing the horn and when I'm playing the music, that it is on the highest level. Like there's, a, right. there's no bullshit with the actual music being made. And I look at like Dizzy Gillespie, you know, and Louis Armstrong as like two shining examples. Like Dizzy was like high all the time, cracking jokes all the fucking time, you know? Right. And then when he played, he was like, you know, the most transcendent architect of the instrument anyone had ever heard. So like, why can't those two things coexist? Why can't he sing Umbrella Man and make everybody laugh and, you know, make every single person in the audience closer to the music and then also play a pile of like really virtuosic, amazing music, you know, like why, why, why does it have to be like, you're either a corny sellout or you're like an artist that really deals with the music. Like why can't you be both? And that's just, that's, that's always been my thing. I'm like, well, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to like have the element of like, you know, being the wedding singer, trying to get everyone on the dance floor at the bar mitzvah. But then also like, I'm going to play a trumpet solo over this boogaloo and it's going to sound as good as Lee Morgan and Nick Payton and Freddie Hubbard. And, you know, fuck yeah. the haters, fuck the haters after that, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. And if you want to talk shit, fine, but you can't talk shit on my playing. Cause like, I'm not bullshitting there, you know? No, man, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's something that a lot of people um, don't realize, like, you know, young musicians too and whatnot, because they just weren't, able to see those cats live like dizzy doing those jokes you know or yeah or or clark terry or oscar peterson or eddie harris of all people you know like there there there's a whole other facet to a to a live show in that regard and i mean you see it nowadays with some cats not to take like mcbride it is phenomenal at work in a room and whatnot you know and there's some great vote like kurt elling is great at work in a room and vocalists naturally because of what they do but it's just you don't see it that way. And I don't think that it takes away from anything. I mean, Dizzy Gillespie released Swing Low Sweet Chariot, like, <laughs> or Swing yeah. Low Sweet Cadillac, you know, like, yeah. why, why can't you have both? And I think that's a really good point. I think just, um, I don't know. It's like cats get so caught up in like how hard it is. Cause it's hard to play, you know, and right. they get caught up in like how, serious it is and they like the artistic side of it that they just forget that like man that's like do all that that's great but like you just got to put on a show that's what it is yeah and i mean you know not for nothing but like we are fighting for an audience out there too you know like you know we were talking about all this stuff with your label before this and like you know whatever market share jazz is of the percentage of people listening to music on spotify or watching views on youtube and stuff like we're 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 fighting over like a small sliver of a pie. And like, you know, we, we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot any more than we already are by playing jazz music. Like, if, like I'm trying to like get new listeners into the music. Like that's why I love going on the road and playing with postmodern jukebox. Like no, right. no entity gets more shit talked on it in the back of smalls by real musicians than postmodern jukebox because they're like, Oh, these guys are like bastardizing the music. So jive. They're doing these like hokey arrangements, but like, Man, I went on tour with Postmodern Jukebox 
and first of all, everybody in the band could play. Like it was not like the YouTube videos. People think that it's like hokey and guys that can't play. The live band was serious. Okay. And then we're playing like Volkswagen arena in Istanbul for 8,000 people. And they're all young people. And yeah, like they're clapping and screaming because it's like the Nirvana song that they liked, or it's right. the Rihanna song that they liked. but guess what? They're clapping on two and four and we're swinging and taking solos. And these young people are standing up screaming and right. you know what? Like they're going to go to their PMJ playlist on Spotify and then it's going to run out and then it's going to start randomly algorithmically choosing other shit. And now they're going to be listening to Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn and Frank Sinatra and Clifford Brown, you know? So it's like, to me, I'm like, I love what Postmodern Jukebox is about. Like, let's get people listening to swing music. Let's get people clapping on two and four that have no idea who, you know, John Coltrane is. Let's bring them in. We need them. Yeah. We, we need them. If this music is going to survive, you know, unless we want jazz to just be like classical music and just be completely underwritten by rich people and like in museums like we we want people to come to the music we got we got to sell it you know man absolutely and we were talking about this too is that it's like um man i remember posting a couple years back uh around like december or whatnot on, on facebook or something and it was it was like uh you know everyone loves christmas music everyone loves how christmas music makes them feel cats out here martina mcbride great country single with a big band you know, so-and-so with a big band, like, like it's a vibe. Yeah. But why do you guys only listen to this around this holiday time? You know, and some <laughs> one, people one were like, out of the year. yeah, some, some people got real offended and were like, man, don't tell me what to listen to it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just asking a question, but like, it's a thing. So why can't we, you know, do that? Like, look, so-and-so sweet, whomever, like, I love listening to it. I love listening to the Ellington suites. I yeah. love listening to like these large bodies of work or like these very, you know, more, difficult you know whatever you want to call it like it's great but there does need to be that element that's like more inviting you know like why would we not want to do that as well it's only going to trickle down into other things and it's not bad like who cares if you play um like mcbride's record car wash they play the hell out of the tune car wash on their album and like i'm not, just because i play jazz does not mean i'm going to turn it off and be like, oh, i don't want to listen to this track right. next one. like it's killing Totally, man. I, I don't know, man. It's it's a so. How do you think then that this is going to change, like moving forward? Because I think it's it's a tough balance between cats wanting to work with the older generation, there not being as many opportunities to work with the older generation, but having you know also finding like all oh, their everyone wanted to play like Glasper and everyone wanted to play like R plus R equals now. Like it's it's a really ambiguous as to where everything's moving now. Well, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what, where jazz has been going, you know, for, for, for decades, for years now, where like, you know, jazz is this huge umbrella and like within the same category of jazz, you have like the cats that are like Glasper music, but then you also have cats that are like playing trad gigs. And then you have people that are in suits playing blue note stuff. And then you have Latin music, they have Brazilian jazz, you know, and then you like all of these different kind of like sub genres within jazz, like, those, you know, there's an audience for every one of those things, you know, but I think like what's interesting to think about is we were talking about releasing music too and like a pop mentality, releasing more singles. Like I did like three singles in advance of my last record. And I look at somebody who's like a buddy. Um, we were talking about Tony Glousey, who's like, you have these like super, super musicians now, you know, these like Avenger type superhero jazz musicians where like, 
because we grew up in a time where we had YouTube and we had every style of every type of music at our fingertips, because we grew up in an era where like being a specialist is not going to make your phone ring as much as being a Swiss army knife musically. Like we have these like trained, highly trained musical assassins where like there are a lot of musicians that can play really convincing pocket, you know, neo soul hip hop on one track, like Tony glassy, yeah. but also like speak Spanish and can like do like an amazing, like Bolero, you know, and do that really authentically and genuinely and well, and then can do a tune and like play like a Winton black codes style thing and crush that. And you have all these different musical personalities. Like why do all, why can't all of them coexist on the same album? If you're releasing singles, why can't this single be the Spanish singing Bolero? This single be the Glasper thing? This single be the quintet, you know, with the crazy lines playing a bunch right. of, you know? So, like, that's where I see, like, I see everything splintering off into these different vibes. But then all the musicians that I play with, like, play all these different styles and speak all these different languages authentically. Nobody's bullshitting. So, like, why can't we all you know, why can't we all just like eat from the same table and like eat off each other's plates, you know? And I look at another artist, like, you know, my, my good friend Emmett Cohen, who just put out a record and he did some singles and like, it's like a hodgepodge stylistically. Like he's got a track where he's playing stride and he sounds like Teddy Wilson. And then there's a track where it's like with Marquise Hill and it's like a Roy Hargrove thing, you know, then there's another track with, you know, a singer and it's like a different bag. And it's just like, you know, I, I got, I remember when I put out my first record, there were critics that were like, this is great, but it's a little jarring to go from like this contemporary post bop, you know, quintet song original. Then the next song is like, you know, Tony Bennett singing rubber ducky or something. And I, and I get it that, that, that that's like an old kind of way of thinking or an older model where like, you want to have like a little focus. You don't want right. to be all over the place. You're like, what is, what box are we trying to to present to people but I think the way the music's going now, especially with singles and, and, and digital music, is like it encourages us to be versatile and be, you know, like I mentioned, that Swiss Army knife. And like, so what if the track you release in August is, is you know, post-bop and then the track you release in September is Neo Soul and then the track you release in November is, you know, Christmas with the big band, like whatever. Like, it's all great music as long as you're not bullshitting and you're honoring the music and you can play that style in an authentic way i think we all should just be like trying to to, to play whatever music we can you know eat eat off of every plate possible yeah man i i i completely agree i mean you're talking like it, it it's the same thing though and i think so many people miss that like at the end of the day when lee morgan you know puts out an, an album uh and and it's it's uh you know you're thinking of like his albums with uh like candy on it and and, and all of that it's like yeah it kind of flowed in a certain way but like that was just lee morgan at that time yeah and like that's just the box that like that was benny at that time and like we look at all these other musicians though in the more like pop world or whatnot and, like they're doing the same thing they're going like zach yeah, Brown, bieber bieber's putting out r&b records now you yeah. know like yeah, Snoop Dogg releasing a gospel record, you yeah. know, like Zach Brown band having a big band for one of the tracks. Like it's like, why can't you do it? As long as I think the only thing is important is that it's from a genuine want to do it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. You know, it's it, not it has to be authentic. Not, yes, it has to be absolutely. like if you can't be doing it for the sake of doing it and then not convincingly authentically speak that language. So 
you know, I'm not saying everyone should be putting out like compilation albums where every track is like completely disparate vibes, but if that's what your musical personality is and you do them all well, and it's all part of who you are, then like put out who you are, you know, put out the music you are. And I'm saying you have more and more musicians now that like really convincingly play all of these different styles, you know? So it's like, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't show off every, you know, every side of what you can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And man, it's, it's very surreal. Like what, um, music has become because like i can remember like the very specific moments when i was introduced to tony's music to your music and gabe's it gave med and it was like yeah tony was and it, they all happened as me and my friends were standing outside of theory classes in college like someone walked <laughs> right, up and had right, tony right, right. playing you know you are my sunshine or, or, or some shit and then like with gabe med it was like wow have you heard the frost quintet do seven steps to heaven? yeah and, i remember that video yeah and then someone walked by and you know it was my friend and it was the same guy that showed it all the time and he was just like you know uh with you it was the 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 gentleman's sing competition with right. what happened to you and all the cats were just like man have you heard this and it's just like no i have like i'm listening to something i gotta do for lessons you know right, but like right, right. social media now is like why and you see it with tiktok now oh my god like the amount of things that can just go viral for like no reason yeah literally but then change you know your life like that's just it you know how does it feel to be in this position where it's like you know you're, you're not chrissy teigen but you have like right. a strong following on social media like is yeah. it is it weird is it a little surreal or like finding that balance between like do i do i want to put all this out there do i not want to put all this out there like i i think it's just like in general the social media angle it's just weird like to think about how fast things have changed like without us all noticing it that like what an artist coming up now what their dreams of like fame and fortune and you know notoriety and all of these things are so so different than what it was a generation ago where like you know, when I was like 18 years old and Sean Jones was telling me in lessons, like write yourself a letter five years from now, write yourself a letter 10 years from now and write down the goals that you want to achieve. And like when I was a kid, you know, was young lions and like Nicholas Payton was putting out records and Roy Hargrove was putting out records and Harry Connick Jr. was putting out records. And like Columbia was giving these guys a hundred thousand dollar advances to like sell their albums, you know? So like, what was the goal? The goal is like, get with like a big record label and like, you know, be wildly rich and famous through that. Okay. And now like the way the industry's changing is like all of those, you know, aspirations and stuff. Like, I don't think kids are growing up now being like, I want to get signed to a record deal. Like, I just don't think that's what it is now. But like the, the interesting inverse of that is, is like in those days, those guys were completely tethered to like what promotion like that label could do for themselves And, you know, they had to wait for the downbeat to come out for their review and stuff. And with social media now, it's like, you know, and and digital streaming is like, there are downsides everybody wants to talk about, you know, Spotify exploiting artists or whatever. But at the same time, I probably have way more people in Japan and Switzerland and Mexico and Argentina that know who I am and listen to my music from digital streaming and follow me on Instagram than I ever would have, you know, in the nineties, even if, even if Verve did give me a hundred grand to make an album, you know, like, so I, I look at the social media thing and, and digital streaming is like, I'm looking for the silver linings to it. Like, okay, yeah, sure. 
you know, Spotify pays me 0.00001 cent per stream, but like there are people that my monthly listeners on Spotify that like come to my Instagram and like follow me there and like maybe buy a t-shirt from my website or like if I am on tour with Postmodern Jukebox and I play in Argentina, you know, they'll come to the show and like, so there is like, there is some power in, in the kind of like artists taking ownership of, you know, taking the reins of their shit and doing everything by themselves. You know, it's just like, the only downside is there's like so many hours in the day. And like, I, there are times where like, I go to the gym, you know, to like work out for an hour. And then I like sit down on a bench and I'm like, I have to do my Instagram post today. And then like an hour later, I'm still on Instagram and I'm just like, Oh God, what just happened? You know, I, you know, so yeah, it's, it can be overwhelming sometimes with the social media and stuff, but I just think it's one of the biggest tools that we have as an artist to like, you know, try and get our music out there, try and have people hear what we're trying to say. And so we gotta, we gotta, you know, give it some love and attention and sunlight and water it, you know? It's tough because it's like, like you said, there's so much power in being able to do everything yourself now, but like, you have to also do everything yourself now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the market literally has flipped to what it was. It used to be, you know, like you think back to Miles, like he would go on tour to advertise for the record. And like now you have to basically do a record to advertise for the to tour. To be able to go on tour. Yeah, totally. It's just, um, it's wild, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough, I think, for a lot of people to stomach. I think a lot of people get depressed by it and, and real dark about it. But also, you know, it's incredible what you can reach is exactly what you're talking about. Like it's so easy to do this stuff and you can just organically get people and you just, I don't know. You just got to be on the positive side of it. Cause if you get dark, like it's real easy to get dark and like real beat up about it. Yeah. I mean, that's just jazz in, in, you know, that's just jazz in general before streaming, before social media, like it's easy to be in the back of the club talking shit, you know, that's like such the most default and that's just life in general, right? Like it's so easy misery loves company. You know, it's the, it's the most cathartic, simple thing in the world to just be dark and find other people that want to be dark, you know, and you can just like live in that space and that cloud of darkness. And it's very easy to fall into that. It's a lot harder to like stay upbeat and stay positive and try and like, you know, be on that side of, you know, the pendulum of, of, right. of life in general. But you know, I, I made my personal decision a long time ago that I was going to, you know, commit myself to like trying to stay positive and trying to be upbeat. And, you know, I think that kind of energy that you put out into the world, it begets that kind of energy is what you get back. So like, if you, if you commit to trying to like live in that headspace, the people that are going to gravitate towards you, the people you're going to gravitate towards to are of that same tribe. And then it gets easier. It's not as hard for you to like constantly be like upbeat and positive and, and motivated and productive because like, you know, it's like being in a good trumpet section. Like if you have a good section behind you, your yeah. chops aren't getting as tired because you don't have to work so hard to play in tune. So it's like if you surround yourself with other people that are on that vibe, now you're lifted up a little and it's not so much energy expelled to put on a smile or to like, you know, go be productive that day, you know? So you really just got to try and surround yourself with other people that are trying to fight the good fight, you know, because the zombie herd, you know, of like negativity and darkness also yeah. is getting bigger all the time. And the zombies are, you know, barreling at the door and you got to fight them off. I know you don't really 
do Call of Duty so much, so you might not get my zombies analogy. You're playing Fortnite, but man, it's you know, they got zombies in Warzone now, so there you go. Man, it's it's interesting, you know, because here's the other thing too is like you definitely came from a very strong musical lineage, you know, like your your dad was very much into it, and grandfather before him as well, but when especially being in a spot like New York, you know, and then what Pittsburgh before that. Right. Did you ever run into like that vibe of uh, not feeling like it was your, like you, you were ready yet, you know, like trying to find the balance between like, okay, when do I go sit in on some cat's gig or when do I go approach this, like this big, this heavy hitter, this big name. And like, when is it my turn? Like, why am I gigging? You know, uh, I don't know. Terrence Blanchard lives down the street. Like, why is he not playing smoke right now? Like, why do I have smoke? You know? Right. I mean, that's, that's a great point. And, you know, I, for, you know, I guess you could say I'm fortunate that I've never had imposter syndrome. I've never had a shortage of, uh, of self-confidence as anyone that knows me is very quick to point out. Um, so like, if it's up to me, if it's my call, like I, I would have been like, you know, 18 years old freshman just moved to New York. Like I want to get up next to Roy Hargrove at Smalls and like play right after him and like right. see, see how I stack up. You know, because I have that self-assuredness where like, I won't get dark if I fold, you know, it'll like make me want to go shed even more, you know? Right, right. So like, I never had that feeling, but the problem is, you know, once you do that, once you go sit in next to Roy Hargrove at Smalls, like that's the first impression that the world gets of you. That's what everyone in New York thinks of you. So nobody in New York says like, oh, wow, this guy who just got up after Roy sounds really good. Like, he must be what, like a freshman, sophomore? I mean, he sounds great for such a young person. Imagine him in a few years of seasoning and, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's like once you're out, like, that's it, you know? And you could shed for 10 years, you know, if you come out and you can only play a high C. And 10 years later, now you have chops and you can play a double C. But, like, people are still associating you with, like, who you were when you first came out, right? So right. there was a time when I was in my undergrad every summer – at MSM where I would go into my private lessons with Lori Frank and I'd be like, Lori, this is it. This is the summer. I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to go out to the sessions every night. Like I'm ready to rock. Like, let's do it. I'm taking over young lions. And you know, I give her immense credit because she would be like, you know, I think you would be, why don't you go home to Pittsburgh, have your mom do your laundry, play some gigs with your dad, <laughs> keep practicing. You know, she was yeah. like, don't be in a hurry to like turn over the hourglass and start your professional career. Like, you're 19, you know, you're 20, give yourself more seasoning. You want to be the best version of yourself you can when it is time to jump in the race. And so every summer, my undergrad, okay, she'd be like, go back to Pittsburgh, keep shedding. And I'd be like, all right, fine, fine, fine. And finally, after my undergrad, the summer before I started my master's, um, you know, and she passed away that summer, she passed away between my undergrad and my mm. master's. And, you know, I thought that I would keep studying with her, my master's, like she had cancer and didn't tell anybody because she didn't want any sympathy. So like I was sending emails with her, like after I graduated undergrad, like talking about setting up lessons in the fall, you know, and she was like about to die. Um, and wow. like that parting wisdom that she was giving me was like, finally, after four years of my undergrad, now I'm 21 years old. Now she was like, yeah, I think now's the time. She was like, now you're ready. Get the apartment, go out to the sessions every night start your professional thing, you know, try and paying rent in New York. And I'm grateful that she kind of was the one to kind of like pump the brakes on it. Because if it was me, I would have been there like before I was ready, you know, I'd have been sure. there like, you know, right out of the, right out of college, jacking up threes, you know, 
and not passing the ball. Like that, that's who I am. So like, I was grateful that she gave me that good advice to like marinate a little bit and have some more seasoning so that when I did finally start showing up, you know, I was like, I was a grown man. I was like a, 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 a kind of complete version of myself. You know, I didn't like come out too early. You know, sometimes the guys that go straight from high school, Kwame Brown wasn't ready. He needed a little more seasoning, you know? Yeah. But then there's cats like, uh, I don't know, doing one year and done like a Zion and you're like, okay, you're, you're cool. Like, yeah. You know, Kyrie, Kyrie, one year at Duke straight, straight to the Cavs, you know, he made and it happen. So how do you now, cause you know, you're working, you, you got to make bread. You gotta, you gotta work. You gotta make rent. It's New York. It's certainly not cheap. You know, how do you balance all that with still shedding the, the KD and the blue Mitchell and the, and the writing versus just being like, man, I'm just taking it day by day for my gigs. You know, I just got to get ready for the gig tonight. I got to play. I got to eat. I got to sleep. Do it, rinse and do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's part of what goes back to what Lori was saying when I was in college, like I spent so much freaking time playing Halo and Smash Brothers in my undergrad. And I could like, I could just go back and just like shake myself, be like, dude, yeah. stop playing halo reach right now like go shed because i'm telling you you won't have the time to do it when you have to pay rent you know and uh the the one silver lining of the last year is like i've talked to a lot of cats you know hosting these jam sessions doing these gigs in new york and a cat will come like i had this experience it was so cool i started doing this jam session at the craftsman this bar in harlem like in june of last year as soon as new york went to phase two and they started outdoor dining like i had a gig you know? And so it was like every week for months, there would be another cat coming to the jam session that would have this like look on their face, like, Oh my God. And they'd be like, this is the first time I played with other people since March, you know, even, even in the fall, even in like October, people would come to a jam session and be like, I haven't played with a real rhythm section since March 8th. And like, it's August, you know? And I got to like, that was like an amazing feeling seeing that, that look on people's faces behind their masks week after week, you know, it was amazing. And the one thing that keep coming back to, especially trumpet players, because our shit is so physical, you know, cats would be like, you know what, man, I shed more this past year than I did like five years before, you know, and that is true. I mean, I haven't had time in years to like be like, all right, what am I doing tonight? Let me get through like my entire routine and play like right. three hours of technical shit to like get another half step to my range. Cause normally I'm like beating my face up on some gig because I have to on like a wedding gig because I need to pay rent. So, you know, that has been a silver lining of the past year is like my chops feel good. Like shit. If we ever did get any tours and real gigs back, like I'm, I'm souped up. I'm like, ready watch to rock. Cats. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, like I'm, I can't wait to see the jam sessions for real when we're really back because everybody's just been sitting around shedding for a year. Like I think everybody's going to be, you know, if you've been doing it right, if you've been taking advantage of your time, like they, I hit the KD this year, you know, I hit the blue Mitchell, I hit the, you know, the Arbins, you know, I hit the flow studies. So, you know, on, in the normal hustle world, yeah, you don't have that much time to do it, but you know, a lot of these gigs that are like rent paying gigs for me, I play a lot of like, I do like solo piano gigs and singing and shit. And, you know, if I used to do a lot more wedding gigs and stuff, like you always try and just find your, your creases to like, to be shedding, you know? And if I'm playing a little restaurant gig duo or whatever, 
whatever tune we're playing, have you met Ms. Jones? Like, let's just take it through the keys. You know, nobody's listening. Nobody's paying attention to us in this restaurant anyway. They don't care what we do. Let's just like go up a half step on Cherokee every chorus, you know, and like get in your shedding on your restaurant gig that pays 75 bucks. You know, no one's listening anyway. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you right. I mean, you're not wrong. You know, it's, it's taking those times though. I still don't know. I swear I'd wake up some mornings and you're like shedding it like two 30 in the morning in your apartment in New York. Like how do your neighbors not? I'm in the basement, bro. I'm in the bunker. You can't tell you can't, you see, there's no windows in this frame. Yeah. Like I yeah. am in the basement of a brownstone and it was the best thing during the pandemic because everyone was leaving New York. Right. So like, there's no one else on my floor. I'm in the basement. And then one a and one B on the ground floor above me, nobody was living in there. So like I'm in like an insulated basement and the next closest person is like two floors away. So you have like a buffer. I was blasting, dude. I was like full bore, you know, like stamp routine at 4.30 in the morning, no mute, just ripping. Like nobody said shit. And finally, after months of this, I did get a note under my door and it was really nice because I never even met the people, but someone moved in like above me or something and they wrote me a really nice note and they were like, do you think it would be possible? Like we're doctors on the front line and healthcare workers, like basically like superheroes, you know, yeah. saving yeah, us yeah, all yeah, from yeah. the pandemic. And I'm sitting here playing, you know, Call of Duty. Like we have to wake up at re- five in the morning. Do you think you could stop playing really loud trumpet like at midnight? Like as if that was a big ask. And I'm like, oh, geez, fine. I guess I'll stop blasting at midnight. When meanwhile, Gabe Med has like a guy who returned from Iraq that anytime Gabe plays one note, the guy has PTSD and thinks that he's like back in the front lines and like tries to like, you know, tries to like choke Gabe in the middle of the hallway for playing long tones. So like, I know how bad it can be in New York with, with apartments and neighbors. And like, I just resigned my lease here for another year. Like, I don't have any windows in my bedroom, you know, but I'll take it, man. If I can shed until midnight, like in New York, that's, that's gold, you know, that's a commodity. So I'm, I'm lucky with that. Cause if you get, if you get bad neighbors in New York, your life is living hell, man. Man, that's, that's wild. Cause you know, even here, like I don't live in an apartment. Like I live with a musician in a house with no neighbor and there's still like, you know, an expectation of being like, Hey man, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's eleven thirty twelve cut up, but man, shedding like, because there were definitely times where I remember you watching TV doing long tones like three thirty in the morning. I'm like, man, what? <laughs> when do you sleep? And you're like, I sleep till four p.m. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're you're like, let's do this podcast today. And I was like, how's one uh, thirty? And then I like woke up at one and I like got my coffee. You know, they can't see us because it's just audio, but I am in pajamas and it's three thirty p.m. So. <laughs> Man, so what are you doing when you're not doing music? You, you got the war zone going on, but like, how do you, like, what's your, what's your escape from all of this? Cause I mean, you got to do other things besides it or you're going to go nuts, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think just being a trumpet player in general, like you can't be good at trumpet if you don't have like self-discipline and, you know, a, appreciate a routine, you know, because yeah. so much of shedding trumpet is just like bashing your head against the wall, doing the same shit every day for a decade. Yeah. It sucks. And you, it you sucks. have to like, you have to just love that, you know, or, or else you just will suck at trumpet. So, you know, I'm a creature of habit, you know, I have my routines. Like I like to wake up in the morning, i.e. the afternoon and like have my electric scooter, you know, I'm like that douche, <laughs> I'm that douche 
burning through a red light at an intersection that some old lady's walking her dog and like curses at me as I fly by going 30 miles an hour on a scooter, you know, that's me. (laughs) And I like to just ride around New York and go to different coffee shops, sit, have a coffee, do my Instagram posts for the day, you know, check my emails because when you sleep till 1230, like you always wake up with like 15 notifications because the world has already been awake for half the day. So I, I catch up on all that in the afternoon. And, you know, I like to work out. I definitely like in the same way that I am obsessively like, you know, have to play my lip slurs every day. I also like I'm addicted to like, you know, the runner's high, the endorphin rush from working out and I eat like a piece of shit and drink like a piece of shit. So I like, don't look like I go to the gym every day, but you got to like, balance it out to some, but I do. Yeah. yeah so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'll be going to the gym after this. So I like love the routine of like, you know, getting in cardio and working out and feeling sore and all that. That's a big thing for me because I love sports, you know? So that's another one right there. Not a lot of jazz cats. Like we can talk sports. That's why you and me are homies. Uh, but there's not like every jazz guy, you know, Stephen Feifke, we used to live together and like, he, they'd, you know, he's from like Massachusetts. They put the Patriots on and, you know, they were always kicking the Steelers ass and I'd be watching the game cursing and he would come in and be like, yeah, like, you know, Tom Brady, Patriots. I was like, name five <laughs> players right now. Like, tell me anyone other than Gronkowski and Tom Brady. You can't. Like, you're not a sports fan, you know, or he'd be watching the Celtics and he'd be like, yeah, like LeBron is struggling. I'd be like, you don't know anyone on the Celtics right now. <laughs> you said Brian Scalabrini. Give me a break. Oh, you my know? God. If you weren't watching <laughs> when Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, and Big Baby were on the same team. You know? I don't want to it, – but it's, it's one or the other. Either, like, I found jazz musicians that are, like, into sports or not at all. Like McBride into sports yeah dude that was that was the only like that was my bonding when i when i did the a european tour with mcbride's big band like on the bus he had like you know his wi-fi going so like they would be watching you know 76ers games with ben simmons and Embiid, like while we were backstage in denmark or something and that whole band like the bus rides with mcbride's big band are all sports and not only that, but like sports through the prism of like McBride, who's a 50 year old guy. So like boxing, you know, they're all oh, talking yeah. about like all the old fights and like me, like I'm more of like, we're millennials. Like I'm more like MMA, you know, but I had to like go shed my like old boxing to be able to like hang with McBride, you know, it's like a barbershop. It's like, it going totally to like, like a traditional barber where like you got to like, I remember the first time I went to a barbershop like that, where like you, everyone's talking sports or old movies and like, you got to go in and know enough and keep your mouth shut to get by. And then like you slowly, you just pick up on it. Of course, man. I mean, I really think like, you know, that's a huge part of what we do as musicians where it's like networking and going to the club and hanging out like, yes. And if you're a jazz musician, you better be able to talk about like who's on every record that blue note ever put out. You know, that's like a baseline. That's a common thing in any jazz club when the cats are sitting around, like you have to know, like, which you know live record foreign more you know which one's george coleman and which one's wayne shorter you have to know that that's a given but then when you get into these different groups is like you know anybody that ever wants to hire somebody whether they are a booker at a club or they're they're the general manager or they're hiring people for a band they hire their friends you know yeah you want to be friends with everybody right so like perfect example like my buddy claffy's like trying to get this gig at like this hotel across the street from him and it's like a cushy hotel it'll pay pay a few hundred bucks each couple nights a week like that'd be great you know That's he can like walk out his front door and do it and the link that he has at the hotel 
is the chef who's always bumming cigarettes off of him. So it started off with him and the chef just out front, like because the chef didn't want to smoke right in front of his job. So he'd go down the right. street and go to Clappy's building. So, you know, they start talking, whatever, da, da, da. And this guy is like about a my age type guy that's a chef. That's like the chef world is like a different world. He's not like a, you know, sophisticated, you know, world travel jazz musician. Like, so it's different things. So it's like, all right, I'm having this conversation. Claffy, the guy came over for scotch. Like, you know, I brought like a really nice kind of like old fancy whiskey. And then he showed up with like Jägermeister. He's like, what's up guys? What's up? So I'm like, all right, I'm like computing. I'm like, I'm maybe like, I need to know like which pop culture references is this guy going to get like what is his concept so it's like okay like anchorman like oh here's my flute coming out of my sleeve ha 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 and like he got that you know okay so now this dude loves me so now like i'm on the gig with claffy and like we sealed the deal but it's the same thing like if you're like a jazz nerd and you get an opportunity to hang in a room with christian mcbride and they start talking about basketball and you can't hang you know you're at a disadvantage so like i'm always trying to like be up on everything i'm trying to be up on politics in case it goes there i'm trying to know what's happening with sports in case it goes there you know just whatever else is happening in pop culture you know i read the news because you know if you're having conversations with people you know they they they, people want to be around other people that are like you know like-minded and into the same shit so it's like it goes back to the same thing i said musically the same way you want to be a i want to be a swiss army knife playing different styles of music like that's I want to be a chameleon as a person too. I want to be able to hang in like whatever group of people are at your dinner party. I want to be able to like, kind of like get in with them. It's like musical speed dating almost, man. Like, you know, if, if, well, I'm good at that too. So, Oh my God, man. It's, it's just like, like playing is to a degree is almost like a given, you know? And it's just at that point, like, do you show up dressed? Well, do you show up in general, you know, do you like, can yeah. you hang? And it's just, uh, cause especially if you, if you eventually get the, you know, opportunity to go on the road road, like you want to be able to hang and, you know, shoot the of course. shit. And that's uh, another thing too. Bye. There's some, some guys like you got to know, like if, you know, I've had cats give me conversations about band leaders where like they got to the gig and the band leader wanted to do shots. And the guy was like, Oh, I don't drink. And the guy's like, what the fuck, you know? So it's like, you got to know that too. Like there's some circles where like, they're going to look down on you if you drink too much on the gig. And then there's other band leaders, there's other gigs where like, if I play at this Irish bar every Sunday, if I go up to the bartender, who's my friend who books the band and he's pouring shots and I'm like, Oh, I don't want one. Like, can I just have a seltzer? Like that's going to be a problem, you know? Right, right. So right, that's, right. that's like, you know, that's the thing too. I'm not like necessarily saying we should all cave to peer pressure. Or we should all just change who we are to, to fit other people. I'm not saying that, but you know, it's just like, man, what does it mean to be a Renaissance man or woman like to just you know be aware just dip your toes in everything like and that's just goes for every facet of my life music you know the the media that i consume the people that i surround myself with like i just i don't close any doors and i don't think anybody should i think we should just walk around as open-minded about everything and just just let let life you know put stuff in your path don't don't you know, close your eyes. Yeah, man. And I think that's uh, probably the wisest thing you're going to say for the rest of the day. I, I don't, I think <laughs> yeah, we gotta just like cut it off there, man. Yeah. Thanks uh, uh. so much for coming on, man. It's th- no, it's, it's always so interesting to talk about that, especially from the perspective of someone that's like doing the, um, 
quote unquote legit thing, you know, but also doing the PMJ thing and also just like yeah. doing whatever he can to, you know, get this stuff out there, you know? So, uh, I mean, you got anything coming up you want to let cats know? Um, you know, that things are coming back now, you know, I'm starting to do some traveling. I'm going to be doing some dates in the Midwest in, uh, in June. Um, you know, the thing at smalls, that's kind of like the most high, high profile regular gig in New York. So sure. anybody that's coming through New York, that smalls will be back open to the public in April. So I'll be doing the jam session there every Wednesday and they live stream that too. You know, so that's, you know, I'm, I'm in New York a lot the next few months because I'm doing that for like a three month residency. And, uh, you know, beyond that, I'm on the gram, BB Jazz, I, 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 I do have a TikTok. I'm not good at it, but I try and <laughs> try and relate to the youngins. You know, I'm on Twitter too. I mostly just use that to follow like Nick's pages and Steelers pages, but yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. on Twitter too. So, you know, I'm, I'm out there. I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of. My website's Benny Benack Jazz. You know, people hit, hit me up for anything. I'm addicted to my phone, so it's always right here, you know. For sure, man. Well, look, thanks so much again for coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon.